You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! And welcome to episode 304 of Australia and the Southern Hemispheres with a hint of Northern Hemispheres, favourite board game and tabletop podcast. Tonight, it's not tonight, it's the morning, believe it or not, and we are again breaking records in the world of the Dice Men Cometh because we're recording before breakfast. And Leon, why are we doing this again? Uh, 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 um, w- w- right, Dice Men Cometh podcast, that's what we're doing. Um, uh, you said on breakfast? I've had breakfast already. I've actually had several <laughs> breakfasts and dinners before because I'm just coming off night shift. So <laughs> if people are annoyed about, Leon sounds a bit not very upbeat and not much energetic. Well, you're going to get a special new kind this morning because it is <laughs> 8.30 in the morning and I've been up for like 19 hours. So the reason we're doing this is because we have our good friend Stephen O'Rourke from New York as our special guest that we will be interviewing and talking about on the show. And since he decided to be, you know, inconsiderate and be in another time zone, we're doing this to be considerate to him. Well, it must be fair enough that, you know, our time zone is really 1983, 1984, living in little old Hobart. And and Steve's way over there in in 2020. And I must say, I, I think I prefer the early 90s. Yeah, that, 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 that is fair. So what we're going to do on tonight, like I said, we're going to interview Mr. Stephen. Then he's going to take us through a game that he's been playing recently, as well as a game that's quite important to the land that we he calls home. And then after that, I'm going to be telling everybody how I can't play solo board games. And that's going to get a lot of people very mad at me. <laughs> Absolutely. So before we get into all of that board gaming goodness, we have to thank a couple of people. First of all, we have to thank LFG and the amazing team there because they continue to be the providers of world-class board games. So make sure you jump into lfg-ausaus.com.au. Uh and also, we're running a little Robin Hoodie competition. So if you haven't already heard, make sure you send us an email to dicemancometh at gmail.com or jump on our socials, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Just search Dicemancometh or at Dicemancometh and send us a photo of you, your family, your loved ones, someone playing a board game in your best Robin Hood attire. We have a mm-hmm. brand new in-shrink copy of Robin Hood and the Merry Men to give away. And we want to give it away to you. So yes. we are the Dice Men Cometh. It is not Edge Radio 99.3 FM, but it is episode 304. And we will be back after this. And now that's this. Hello, everybody. It's your friendly neighborhood, Leon, here. Just a quick break in the action to remind everybody how you can interact with the Dice Men. Of course, we are on all those social medias so things like your instagrams your facebook your twitters we're on all of them at dice men cometh you can also email us at the dice men cometh at gmail.com that's a great way to get in touch with us for things like asking any type of questions but also sponsorship we've been doing that for several years now with various different promotions and ads and you can be involved in that too if you like also if you wish to help the dice man cometh you can get onto itunes and chuck us one of those cheeky five star reviews it helps people from around the world get to listen and we've met some great international listeners because of that so the more you can do that the merrier 
And if you would like, we also have our Patreon. You can go over there and chuck us a few bucks, completely up to you. Even if you threw us a dollar a month, you would not notice out of your bank account, but we certainly would. If everybody listening to my voice did that, we would be happy as Larry. And we use that money to good effect. We use it to get to various different conventions all around Australia. It ain't easy getting around this big old country that we have, but we manage and we do it because we want to meet you and play as many games as possible. Or you could jump over to redbubble.com, chuck in the Dice Men Cometh, and have any of our merch with our logo on it. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, there are mugs, there are heaps of cool stuff over there. I've got quite a bit of it, and it all looks grand. So, with all that being said, thank you very much for listening and supporting us over the years. We absolutely love doing this show, and hopefully we'll be doing it for a long time to come, and your support is one of the main drivers of that. So feel free to get in touch about anything to do with board gaming or anything whatsoever. But enough of my chit-chat, back to the action. So that was whatever I put in the edit on The Dice Men Cometh on episode 304, proudly brought to you by our good friends at LFG Australia. Check them out at lfg-aus.com. Why are you waving at me, Garth? Put in a Patreon ad. Oh, put in a Patreon ad. And we can say the word Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, okay. It was a Patreon ad. Thank you for that. Well, throwing away my flow completely, Garth, when I've been awake for however... So, back to talking about board games, card games, and all that kind of shenanigans. And we are about to interview our good friend, Stephen O'Rourke from New York. Stephen, how are you on this? What time is it where you are at the moment? Yeah, well, good morning or noon evening, I guess. You know, mm. we got all of them. Good, good time of day, I suppose. It's yeah. 6.30 in the evening over here, and you guys are in the morning. So, we are as, with 14 hours between us, I think we're as socially distanced as you can get. Absolutely. And this is also another first having a, a show recorded on over two different days. So we're, we're breaking records left, right and centre here, Steve. Now, long time listeners of the show will have heard your name bandied about because Mark, myself and Leon certainly have mentioned Steve O'Rourke from New York. And Leon has even had the privilege of meeting you live in your hometown. But for those of you who are listening who don't actually know what a Steve O'Rourke is, <laughs> what is one? Well, um, I'm a husband and dad and father of two. Longtime gamer from way back, um, going back to days of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons way back. Um, professionally, uh, social personality psychologist, teaching in academia. Yeah. But wow. um, that kind of gets you the introduction to me and a recent uh, arrival into the board gaming hobby in maybe the last six or seven years, coming back to it, realizing there was something new that was happening that wasn't there when I was a kid. Uh, very different, very, very inviting and a nice community to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get to hang out with beautiful people like us all the time and that's surely must make <laughs> you feel good about yourself. Absolutely. Garth, Garth, you can't claim that because he can actually see us at the moment. So he, <sighs> he can see the evidence of you just waking up and me looking like whatever the hell I look like. Yeah, okay. So um, let's let's stop the screen sharing side of things. Now, before we get to the fun topic that is tabletop gaming all over the world, look, you you are uh, a New Yorkian, a New Yorkite, a, a, a Yankee New Yorker. And unfortunately, New York has the, the badge of dishonor of being sort of an epicenter of a global pandemic going on. What's life like over there at the moment? Strange. Best way to describe it is strange. Um, yeah. we're, we're very lucky. 
as a family to be two teachers and two students. So almost everything that we can do can be done from home. As we were talking before the show, we've divided this little two bedroom uh, apartment into four different studios for who needs to be on what phone call at what time. <laughs> so as far as, as regular life, it's a good thing the four of us like each other because we're seeing an awful lot of each other. And I guess it makes it easy to, to give your kids detention as well, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you know, that's the problem. When we give them detention and they stay in, it's giving us detention too. Uh, <laughs> but no, they're, they're good. And again, seriously, if, we're, if, we're, uh, if we were struggling, uh, just a lot of people would be struggling because there, there's a, a good camaraderie among the four of us. Um, it's, it's difficult because people are being tempted to want to go out and return to normal life. But if we want normal life to return, we have to accept abnormal life for a short period of time and be smart and also you don't really need to go out because you're a board gamer so you've got all the <laughs> entertainment you need are the family quote-unquote gamers as well no oh. uh, my <laughs> my son will will tolerate me and play a game or two once in a while and it's usually competitive for the first game until he learns the rules and then just you know smokes me um <laughs> my wife and daughter like playing more traditional games card games It'll be 31 or Rummy 500 or something of that nature. But a game that requires me to talk at them for a long period of time to explain what we're doing and how, not a whole lot of interest. We'll do things like just the other night we did play some on Jackbox online and we'll play some nice. small ones like maybe Can't Stop once in a while. But other than that, it's pretty much me in the house that's the, the hobbyist gamer. Well, let's talk about you and the house mm -hmm. because gaming has had to change over the last couple of weeks and months for, for those of us. And, and what have you been doing over there to, to keep those gaming connections alive in this time of isolation? Kind of like what we're doing now, joining in on Zoom calls and doing these, these asynchronous in some ways or um, live in other ways. Uh, we have friends down the street that we play family games with and we've done, you know, um, FaceTime with them to play things like Just One or Hive Mind or some others. Mm -hmm. um, we have a regular group that meets usually once a month when, when, uh, when times are normal again. <laughs> but because times aren't normal and we're all at home and not going, to, not going to our individual places of work, it's actually become more gaming. We're meeting weekly on, on Thursdays to play heavier stuff and have you know, two computers open if you can, one of them with audio, one of them running the games on Yukata or BGA. And uh, then in addition to that, another little group emerging of people from all over the community, all over the hobby, uh, talking with my friend BJ, who's in Louisiana, talking with our friend Verla and her family who are out in Oregon on the West Coast, looping in some of our friends from New York, looping in some of their friends from Alabama. It's, um, it's become more gaming, different gaming, but more gaming. So do you think you've actually been able to educate some of your friends on, on you know, the social power that board gaming does have, even if it's just something simple like you know, rolling dice with can't stop or something you know, really rules light? But sometimes I find the game is secondary to actually just sitting around and having a chat with your friends. Absolutely. For those who are already converted, there's no, there's no need to talk about it because our game nights usually start with pizza and beers. And then after about two hours in of that, we say, oh, we were supposed to play a game or two, weren't we? And we sit down and play for about another four hours. Um, for people who are already in the hobby, they get it. This is now just a different way of saying, I'm going to have to see you from a distance rather than see you as um, face to face or just an icon on the screen. So yeah. what's actually done for me is some of those outside groups that are people that I've maybe known in name or known online with just texting or writing, now I've got faces and audio to go with it because this has forced us into a different way of thinking about technology to shrink the world and make it a, a, a much more comfortable, tight community. 
So you mentioned before there, Stephen BJ, and the reason mm-hmm. I bring him back up is because you are a producer on a show, a Facebook live show that he does called Board Game mm-hmm. Gumbo. Now, my first question, of course, is who do you think you are trying to hone in on this board game <laughs> media type thing? I thought that we were the only people in the world that had this idea. So uh, how did that come about? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? You know, <laughs> seeing people who, who do it right on one way, one side of the world made us think, you know, I want to do this on the, on this side of our world. Uh, he's been doing it for longer than I have. I mm-hmm. started out um, with him as someone who, again, who was interacting on BGG forums for podcasts that we liked both of us together. That kind of, stir, of, of stirred him into setting up his own on Facebook, which was a different medium than others were doing. So it's not a whole lot of Facebook live stuff up out there now. Um, so he's been doing this for over 100 episodes. I started watching in the teens and 20s. And then in the 30s and 40s of those episodes started chiming in and helping him out. So it was, again, um, you meet somebody online, you chat about things, you get to know them, you realize you've got more in common than, than uh, you know. Despite the distance, you now know that person. That person's a friend. BJ and I haven't been in the same room together. I've seen you, Leon, more than I've seen him. Uh, and yet... <laughs> Here we go. One of my now close friends in, in board gaming is somebody that is a face and audio on the other side of the, the country. Hmm. And as you said before, you've been playing a lot online on various different systems mm-hmm. of late. You said about the heavier games. What What's the heaviest game you've played online of late? Of late? Probably a mid-weight to getting heavier Euro like Concordia or learning Keyflower the other night. Um, Hmm. To do one of those online, if you don't actually have everybody talking or somebody who really knows the teach, is kind of difficult. That yeah. that two-hour time frame can become three or four if you really haven't got the game down. So getting Absolutely. a learning game of Keyflower Hour out of the way was, was helpful. It'll be smoother next time. Yeah, look, I mean, it's this kind of uh, environment that, again, shows the power of a really great teacher either virtually over this or the, the pre-recorded YouTube videos that so many of us know and love. But it is still such a such a weird environment that we all find ourselves living in. But I, I agree with you completely on the joys of this online gaming because I have got so many games going now on, on Board Game Arena. But it's Leon is the problem. Leon has <laughs> absolutely no desire to join the electronic world of gaming and basically is just becoming a, a gaming hermit. Yeah, a little bit. That's because, like I said, video games are still a thing. However, I am quite happy to play a game of D&D or Fiasco with somebody online whenever I have the chance to. But the whole actually using these systems, I'm still I'm still not 100% sold on it. It just doesn't seem right to me. It seemed to me like the youth of the world, and I'm talking to you, Leon, should be the ones who are more technologically advanced in this kind of thing. Old guy like me who's almost double your age, yeah, you would think so, but it's just, I don't know what it is. But then again, I'm the same kind of person that I can't read like books on Kindle. I cannot do it. I need a physical book in front of me. So I'm just, I'm just a caveman in a very young, good looking body, I suppose. Luddite. <laughs> so look, I, I haven't jumped onto Yukata for ages, Steve. Uh, I must admit I'm using Board Game Arena a lot more and, and even the, the simulators, Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator a lot more for my real-time gaming fix. You must be one of the few people still using Yukata. Is it, is it still a thing? Yukata is still a thing. It, um, Board Game Arena has stepped up its game in terms of the interface. Yep. They, we just tried for the first time last night the audio and video components for that. 
and the video can only go to four people, but audio, we were handling eight with no problem. So there was no yeah, need wow. to have a separate Zoom window at all. We were playing uh, Ink and Gold and Six Nymphed with six and seven and eight people at a time, and everybody was keeping track of it pretty easily. So BGA is going to be probably our, our, our source for the filler gateway kinds of games. But if we want to play something deeper that is not on a tabletop simulator or a tabletopia, Yukata has, I think, more of the selection that we find interesting in that sense. Gotcha. Yeah, see, I'm finding that uh, the good thing about going back onto these online platforms is a lot of the games that I'm playing are these classics. So I've been playing Puerto Rico, Russian Railroads, yes. Six Nymphed and Can't Stop, and a whole bunch of games that I just haven't touched for ages, even though Russian Railroads is apparently one of my top 10 games of all time, according to the, uh, <laughs> well, at least for the last seven or eight years, whenever it was that we did that for our, for our end of year stuff. So are you finding that there's been this pull back to classic games as well, or are you still trying to get out there and play new things all the time? No, no, you got it exactly right. I think we're going back to games that we either missed or played and didn't get the variations of. Um, I'll give you an example. We're going back to variations of Carcassonne that we never played. Um, yep. So we played Hunters and Gatherers and we just started a game of South Seas that I'm trying to figure my way out through. Um, <laughs> but you're right, it brings you, it brings you back to some that you, and, and actually that's not so bad for online because if you know it already, you can jump in. All you have to learn is the interface. You don't have that awkward learning game from a distance. You could just jump right in and be playing and talking. Absolutely. And that's where these simulators are just that next level of preparedness, really, because, and I know Leon, you, you might have something to say about this. The good thing about Board Game Arena is that you can't, stuff up you can certainly do less than optimal moves but you can't just blatantly break the rules of a game and go that's it i'm done whereas in the simulator versions and you know tabletopia you can do whatever the hell you want and try and get away with it and i think leon that's where you find it a little bit more of a um a confusing proposition i guess I, yeah just the idea that when you have that kind of sandboxy you can do anything like you could in a real life you are more likely to have kind of screwed something up and since like I'm kind of a bit hesitant to do it to begin with the idea that that happens. If that were to happen halfway through a game, I'd probably be like, well, let's just not bother. This has turned me off now already. Whereas the things like your BGA and even like just going to steam, because, you know, as Steven said before with like Carcassonne, there's Carcassonne, there's Catan, there's Pandemic, there's Ticket to Ride, there's like Raiders of the North Sea, all of them as actual video game versions of these games, not just on simulators. So there is plenty of stuff out there. And there's also a lot of video games that are kind of similar to things like board games, things like Slay the Spire and so on and so forth. So there's a lot out there and there's pretty much something out there for everybody. So there's no reason why people couldn't be playing board games if they were stuck completely by themselves as long as they had an internet connection. Um, and that's a good thing to know. I thought that some of the things that like playing on Yukata and BGA where the, the game is kind of on rails, you can't make a mistake and move, you can't... Uh, you can't screw the game up like Garth was saying, was gonna take some of the fun out of it for me. But I found that once I got to the point where I understood the interface, it liberated me to not have to think about counting things. I could do the counting and not have to move the chits and, and cardboard around the table. It really became all about the decisions and talking with people rather than managing the table. And I thought I was gonna miss that. Um, but it turns out that you can actually play more games when you're doing less of the accounting at the table. And we move on to the next one and it's, it's actually, um, pretty efficient and still approximates the experience. Absolutely, I agree. Because you've got on one end, the board game arena where I feel like I play so much quicker than I do in real life. And then the other end of it with the, the simulator and the tabletopia where it just takes more time. 
And even if you've got your move planned out, it just takes more time because you're figuring out camera angles and the, and getting the interface down pat. So yeah, there's there's certainly a tax that you need to pay in time, especially when you're going to those sandbox um, versions of board gaming. Yeah, so there you have it. That is our friend Stephen, who's going to be sticking around for the next rest of the show to tell us about a game that he's played recently. And as we just said, all the different ways you can play with people online. So there is no excuse unless you're a hassle like me that just makes things difficult for people. But you can play it with anybody, even people on the other side of the world. You just have to be up at odd times. That was, I just wanted to ask you, Steve, just one more thing before we go into Watergate is about sure. you know, the, the personalities in your gaming group and how they have mm-hmm. found you know, doing this because... Obviously, you know, someone like Liam who couldn't give a rat's ass about playing games online unless they are Final Fantasy or, I don't know, something else. Um, yeah. how, are, how are your gaming friends finding that, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing? Well, there's two kind of levels with that because one of our gaming groups is people that we already know. So that, it, we, don't have to, we don't have to discover each other. We are still um, having gaming with the regular old gaming group. So it's not a question of learning how we are. All we are is doing the same kind of bits giving everybody else the business, picking on Kevin and, uh, and trying to figure out how we can finally beat him in a game, uh, but virtually. And everybody's, instead of clinking glasses together, you hold them up and, and toast, toast the screen. With the other group, we're getting to know people, so it's more of a, a, a chat while somebody does their move, and we lear- we're learning who their personalities are. So that's actually a, a very yeah, different level I, I of agree. That. That's cool. I mean, the, the joy of even just text conversations with people through, you know, the various systems these days, uh, it's just that that other Mm -hmm. form of connection. So I'm talking like so many board game arena users talking to people all over the world. um, And it's just great to go. Yeah. We're all in this together from whatever corner we are on. It's the other thing is though, that these, these websites are just suffering under the sheer volume of traffic that they're getting these days. And uh, there's a lot to be said for, they are, clicking that button to become a premium member of some of the websites just so that you can get to your tables. Absolutely. Absolutely. Support, support that. I got, I've got you to both (laughs) thank and blame for this Garth, because you were the first one who brought me onto BGA and learning things like quantum and K2 and and others like that. I'm happy to wear that badge of honor. Good stuff. (laughs) Good stuff. So look, Steve, we're going to talk about an actual physical real board game and something that, well, Leon certainly won't remember because he was not even a twinkle in anyone's eye back then. Nope. But Steve, <laughs> what game is it you actually want to talk us through tonight? Sorry, this morning. <laughs> yes. Well, this is um, Watergate by Matthias Kramer, or Kramer and uh, Capstone Games from last year. And um, it's a two-player political tug-of-war kind of game that takes you back to the 1970s scandals in the, in the uh, politics of the United States. Um, this was during the election of Nixon in 72. It takes you back to the break up, the cover, break in, the cover up, following the money and figuring where the secret tapes were and what did the president know and when did he know it. And you get this now in a two-player game, this thing that is something so deeply embedded in the American consciousness now that any scandal yep. that comes up is something or other gate. Now, I don't want to presume, Stephen, because I don't actually know. Were you around when this happened? <laughs> I was around. I was not a voting member of the public at that point. I, prob- I would have been uh, at, the, yes. at the time of the election, three. At the time of Nixon stepping down, five. Uh, I like to think I contributed to that, you know, the bringing down of the Republican yeah, okay. presidency, but yeah, I don't think I did that. Because last night during my night shift, I must I did a bit of uh, Wikipedia and Googling about the actual incident of Watergate, because it's something that I, in Australia, that we've heard of. We know mm-hmm. it, of 
roughly, but we don't know the ins and outs of it. We know that it got Nixon out and that's about the span of it. So I tried to look into it. And as somebody that tries to avoid politics like the plague, because I find it extremely boring and very depressing, uh, the whole Watergate situation is, oh, it's so weird. (laughs) Just to think, especially the stuff that we're dealing with in this day and age with, you know, politics in our own country and especially yours, the stuff that went down back then seems so tame right. in comparison, but it was <laughs> such a massive deal. Yeah, it absolutely was. And uh, you could say that historically speaking, that was a big change in, in the personality of the United States where people started to doubt what was being told them more about the government. And, and it's, it was a real pivotal moment in American history. And the good thing about this as a game, though, is that that can really feed you if you are a history buff. You can dig into this and chew on all the flavor text and read the eight pages in the text in the, the, of text in the rule book that take you through the historical parts of it. Or if you just have a passing acquaintance with it, you can just play it as a tug of war two-player game. It's kind of somewhere between Twilight Struggle on the heavy end and campaign manager... Yep. 2008 on yeah, because it is a, a like it's a 30 to 60 minute little two-player game so <clears throat> you know yeah how about you, you talk us through some basics what it is you've got you know obviously one player is Walk playing it. is it nixon and, and his you know republican team and then the other side you've got the washington post is that mm-hmm. right yep exactly right you've got a two-player game where one's representing nixon and the other is representing the washington post and in the process of doing all of this you're you're uh, you have different goals uh, the Washington Post's goal is to uncover the evidence and trace it back to Nixon, make a connection between two possible informants and the president who's sitting at the center of the board. And the Nixon administration has a couple of different ways that it can win. It can kind of run out the clock and just outlast the scandal, or it can actually collect, as you're going to see when I talk about it later on, enough momentum tokens that it, it, can, uh, yeah. it can basically bury the scandal at that point. So there's a, there's a fight for these different things that you're trying to get on the board and you can't afford to ignore anything because what you need, the other person has to defend and what they need, you have to defend. So it's a, it's a series of choices of what do I go after? Do I go after the evidence if I'm the post or do I go after the evidence if I'm Nixon trying to bury it? Do I go after momentum if I'm Nixon trying to win the game or do I have to try and get momentum as the post to keep yeah, Nixon okay. from, from so winning it, the game? It sounds Clever little like game. really interesting and it has been getting a lot of really good publicity and, and reviews for being just this really tight um, ebb and flow in, in a two-player game. Uh, how many times have you played it and, and where are you finding your sweet spot in terms of being the, are we saying bad guy Nixon or are we just saying Nixon versus the post? <laughs> Who's actually a history professor. Uh, um, who, who is really getting into all kinds of historical games and war games now. And we've taken turns playing either side. And frankly, it's really well balanced. While the games play differently, whether you're the hunter as the post or the hunted as Nixon, it's tight, it's close. The decks are different, but they're very well balanced. We've had both sides win the game. It's not like yeah. one side is overpowered at all. Um, and it is tense and tight for probably in the middle of what you were saying about 40 minutes it took us 60 minutes for the first game and then probably 30 to 40 after that the first thing that i wanted to mention about this is that when i was looking up about it last night is the actual board itself because as soon as i saw it straight away i actually said out loud and one of my co-workers said what the hell are you talking about i said that's a really cool idea because the board itself is like one of those cardboard pinup boards you would see in like a police detective's office or a you know, a newspaper trying to link different things together to prove somebody's, you know, guilty or innocent or whatever. That is a brilliant idea. 
It, it really is. And there's not really heavy in terms of the graphics to see that. You really have this cork board on the wall with all these push pins in it and string trying to link Nixon at the center of all of this, at the center of this web to all of the possible informants on the outside. And the post has to collect the evidence that they could lay out in one of three different colors to make these connections back. But if Nixon wins the evidence, he can put it on the board upside down and block the pathways and force the post to go the long way around or not be able to connect certain informants back to him. It really is brilliant in terms of the simplicity of the board. It gets a lot deeper when you look at the card art and card flavor text. That's where I think they've invested more of the, the seeing the game unfold. You're right about the board, though. It really does draw you in right from the start. Oh, I just um, I just wanted to talk about the cards because these these cards they seem to draw a lot of uh, sure. parallel with Twilight Struggle because they they're multi use cards. You've got the events Agreed. which seem to range from you know not so important to really really important stuff, and then you've got you know what you you mm -hmm. use the action points I guess for in in Twilight Struggle, but this is is it movement sure. points? It kind of is, yeah. Um going to take you the mechanics of this are going to sound more complex than they actually are the whole thing is a tug of war but you're tugging on three different strands at every step of the way the side of the board has the track for this and everything starts out neutral at zero but both sides of the game go up to five on Nixon's side and five on the post side and you're trying to pull those things onto your side of the board by the end of the round so that they end up being yours and what you're pulling on with those values that you were talking about on the cards it tells you how much you can move a thing toward you. And that could be the um, possibly uncovered evidence. And you have to match the card by color to the evidence, but then try to move it by its number. Or if you're the post and you fail to do that, you can move an influence token over on, on momentum, which if at the end of each round, there's one momentum task that uh, t um, disc that gets given out. Yeah, wow. Nixon gets five of those, he wins the game. So you've got to defend if you're the post too. And then the third thing that you can fight over is, is the, uh, the concept of who gets to go first. They end, they end up calling that uh, initiative. And that initiative is always good because if you're the first player, you get to go first, but you also get an extra card. Wow. You get to put your opponent in the hole. You get one more action. That's massive in these tense little two-player turns. Um, if you spoke to Mark, it would all be it about really how do I get an extra action? So I dare say he'd be going along that line very, very aggressively. Yep. Absolutely. Initiative is very important in the entire game. But if you exclusively go after it, that person's going to be able to steal things from you on the other side. If you're Nixon and you want the initiative, you might be able to get momentum, but the post is going to get more, more evidence. Um, it's a real vicious little, well, vicious <laughs> and delicious push-pull throughout the whole Love time. it. So look, I really want to play this game. I, <clears throat> I have a, a bit of a love-hate relationship with two-player games because, I don't know, <clears throat> there are games where mm -hmm. I just go, I have no desire to, to play this. But then I play something like, is it the Cuban Missile Crisis, the little, little short version of, of yeah, 13 Days? And that was just such a brilliant, compact little two-player game. And obviously looking at you know, what is a well-known period in American history, the... Uh, the Richard Nixon Watergate scenario, it, it really draws me into the, the whole game and, and I want to find a copy. I want to play it. I want to be able to get my Twilight Struggle fix in, in under an hour, which again is what you know, the 13 minutes really scratched yes. for a lot of us. So yeah, I'm excited to play this one. What are, you, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, it sounds pretty obvious that you like it, but you know, tell us. Well, I was just talking, speaking of Luke, who I played this with and 
him being a historian, he said, oh, how much do you want to get into the history of this? I'm like, well, we'll see. <laughs> Truth of the matter is people I don't think have to be real massive history buffs to get into it. Knowing about it will get, will get you wanting to read the flavor text and know more. But truthfully, you could play this game with anybody who's, whether they're um, American historian interest uh, or, uh, or not. It's a tense, tight, one hour or less version of Twilight Struggle scaled down. Now, Luke's played Twilight Struggle and I haven't, but that was his description of it. You can get that exactly the way you said it, a fix of this from the time period and the push-pull tug-of-war dynamics. It's a scaled down, tight, taut version of this. It's tense. Like I said, I don't know that I felt like Nixon. I don't know that I felt like Ben Bradley of the Washington Post, but you definitely get the sense that somebody's coming after you or that you're that close to catching prey. It's a um, very strong two-player game, exceeded our expectations, even though there's a lot of hype around it. And it's beautifully balanced. You can't feel like, oh, well, they get to play Nixon, so oh, I guess I'll just go along. There's a thrill of playing the post. There's a thrill of playing Nixon. Absolutely well worth seeking out for you guys. Yes, and the same designer has clearly, I think, found his thing with this uh, style of game because he's actually got uh, his next game to come out, which has sadly been, I think, now delayed until uh, 2021 because of what's going on, which is uh, Weimar, the fight for um, democracy, which is a very similar style to game to this, except it's set mm. in 1918 sure. Germany. So the tail end yeah. of World War One and the different political factions in Germany fighting for supremacy over that so i think it's a very very similar style of this and will probably do really well i think well mechanically surely you can basically use this mechanics for any as you say steve the the hunter and the hunted style so whether it be serial killer versus police or whether it be you know political foe versus another one um the the mechanics of it seem like it can be re-implemented and I have no doubt probably will be um, down the track by either the same designer or a uh, someone else. And, and again, the mechanic is that tug of war. You'd think that it would get stale. It doesn't um, because the, the events that you can play as special powers can all of a sudden negate the best of plans that the other person had. Now, when you do that, you lose that big power from the game, but it makes it so that something that could feel old and samey, when you bring out that, when you drop that card on the table and all of a sudden uh, everything's changed. Fantastic. Well, look, thanks so much for uh, for the effort and telling us all about that, Steve. That was fantastic. That was Watergate by Matthias Kramer. Uh, you are with the Dice Men Cometh. You're not on the radio. It's just the podcast version. We are live from Hobart and New York City and we will be back after this something. Ugh, I'm so bored. This self-isolation is getting me down. I've even had to read every single rule book for every game that I own, even though I've got no one to play them with. And I'm possibly going to go down the Mark rabbit hole of playing solo games. Is this what I've become? <sighs> At least I'll uh, get off my ass and have a bit of a walk around. At least walk to the computer, I guess. Is there anything on the internet anymore? Wait a minute, what's this? TheCampaignerMagazine.com? You're telling me there's an Australian tabletop magazine that I can look at from the comfort of my own computer or can get delivered to me via the wonders of post? The Campaigner Magazine is designed right here in Australia by Matt Lee. It is currently up to issue 31, although you might want to check out issue 25 for a beautiful cover photo. 
And this magazine features everything that you could ever possibly want to know about board gaming, role playing, insider news and gossip, interviews with designers, publishers, and it's a really fascinating magazine to see what's going on in the world of tabletop gaming. So if you like the sound of that, and if you're listening to our podcast, you probably do, make sure you jump onto the campaignermagazine.com and check it all out. You can even get their back-ordered issues delivered straight to your computer or your postbox again. Now, if you are also a budding designer who's got the next great Kickstarter, the Campaigner magazine allows you to advertise in there as well. Their prices are really, really low, and the Dicemen Cometh also published uh, some advertising in there as well, which is great. So, look, jump onto thecampaignermagazine.com. It'll definitely alleviate any boredom you are feeling by being stuck in home. And you're guaranteed to have hours and hours of fun. And just remember, 31 issues, but the issue 25 is my personal favourite. Back to the show. Okie doke, so that was Whatever I Put in the Edit yet again. I'm a big fan of that Whatever I Put in the Edit band. I'm playing them non-stop these last couple of episodes. Uh, proudly brought to you by our good friends at LFG, of course. Check them out, buy all the stuff from them. It is episode again, 304. And remember, people... The competition that we have at the moment, the Robin Hood one, by the time this episode comes out, we'll only have literally a day or two left. However, keep an eye on the socials because, as I said in the previous episode, we've got competitions for near the next two months going nonstop. And the next one, from what Garth has reminded me, is going to be a very, very good one. So much so, yeah. we're not even going to tell you yet. But it's, <laughs> trust me, it's going to be a beauty. Now... In this current situation, the way things are going, as we've said, we've given you heaps of ways you can play online with your friends, which I suggest everybody does, even just for the fact that you can get out there and chat with people so you don't feel so alone in this testing times. But what you can also do, apparently, with these board games that we play, is you can play them solo, which just sounds insane. Now, I just wanted to ask you, I'll ask our illustrious guest first, Stephen, what is your relationship, if any, with solo board gaming? It's a pretty good one so far. Again, like we were talking before with um, people who like to play more casual games in the house and someone who will occasionally join me in a game of Discworld or something at the table with my son. More often than not, if I want something heavier, deeper, more of a one-hour puzzle, I'm looking for a game that's either solo or co-op that I can play multi-handed. So, yeah, I'm... I'm so, I'm so it has something you've done quite a lot over the years and you, you feel quite comfortable and happy with doing it. Sure. Yep. Very much so. Whether it be in an app form, playing against an AI, which I guess is technically still a competitive but solo experience, or actually spreading something out on the table that is more of a puzzle game or a co-op game of some sort. Yes, I'll absolutely do that. I'm down. Excellent. That is good to hear. And Garth, what about you? Well, yeah, similar to what Steve mentioned, basically my, my solo gaming is my mobile. Um, however, there's only really been one solo game that I have played over and 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 over, and that is Friday. So yeah. I have played that for days on my mobile, <laughs> and that game brings out so much frustration as well as so much ecstasy. But I also actually have two copies of it. I bought two copies secondhand. One of them came with a couple of cards less than it should have had. So I had to buy another copy. Um, but I've got it there for a little bit of a reminder about the trial and error that you have to go through with buying through random strangers online. Funny that you mention it. Um, I just sent BJ my hard copy of, of Friday 
and uh, I did a little giveaway on on the Dukes of Dice Guild to give away a copy of Adventure to, Adventure Games: The Dungeon, yep. which again is a multiplayer game but can be played solo. And I sent that along to somebody else after I had done it, knowing that somebody else is going to need some solo time. And uh, I did check to make sure all the cards were in place. I did not do what got done to you, Garth. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I've got three quarters of a good game of Friday. I can send it to you, mate, if you want to enjoy it. <laughs> Okie doke. Now that I would politely ask you guys the question, and it was mainly just so I could then start talking myself, because that's what, you know, that's what people are here for, let's face it. Oh, in that case, Leon, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, are you in love with solo gaming now? Well, funny you should mention that, Garth. You see, I have never played a board game solo. As I've mentioned in this episode and many other times before, I've grown up as a video game playing person and as a single player video game. I don't care for this multiplayer online, shoot all your friends, not my cup of tea. Give me a hundred hour long, big scrolling epic. That was for me growing up was my reading as well as my you know playing games by myself. So that's what I've been doing for a long time. So I've not played board games by myself at all for several different reasons a because the video game sounds easier and also i don't know if i necessarily trust myself because how far do you take that old take backsy thing that you do in a normal board game when you're by yourself <laughs> because the thing is as i've mentioned before i play board games to be sociable to meet friends to talk with friends to have an enjoyable time and i would never ever in a million years cheat in any board game because that would be disrespecting my friends and i would pardon my French, kick my own ass before I did something like that. But when it's just me and who cares about me, I'll cheat all across the board. <laughs> so I don't trust myself at all. So that being said, I had a few weeks off because of my birthday and because of the things going on in the world at the moment. And I thought, right, I want to give it a crack at trying this solo gaming thing. So where do you go first? You go to what apparently is the best. So I did a bit of Googling and word on the street was that Mage Knight was the best board game to play solo. Now, anybody that knows that game knows that it is definitely on the complex, heavier side of things. However, mm, little bit. When, it, when it comes to solo gaming, I've been told by many people that it is the bee's knees when it comes to playing a solo game. So I put out the call on the Facebook group um, and the Hobart Game Society. Does anyone in Hobart have a copy of it? Someone was nice enough to lend one to me as long as I gave it a good old disinfecting at the end of it. <laughs> so I brought it home to play. And this is my report that I'm now going to give to you. Okay. I sat down and I read the rule book cover to cover. I read the whole rule book. Then I watched a little how-to video just because why not? I then set up the game on my table, had it all set up. So I've got everything prepared. I've got nothing stopping me at all. Then I think my wife asked me to help her move something in another room because she was organizing something. I then went and did that. I then did not look or touch the game again <laughs> until I packed it back up and gave it back to the person that was nice enough to lend it to me. Because, because I'm sorry, I just can't do it. I just had no, I had it all there and I did have, it was like, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for the show, for the people, go the fans. And I just had no desire in me to, to play it, even though this game is right up my alley. I love fantasy, but I just couldn't do it. Now, Stephen, you're a smart person. Why? What's, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with you. I just think maybe a different approach. I thought about this when you were talking, and I thought, I was thinking a while back, like a year or two back, I wanted to start getting more active and started running. Mm -hmm. I didn't sign up for the New York Marathon at that point. Yeah. 
well, that might be the greatest race in the world. Yeah. Um, Boston might dispute it. Um, I probably should have I, I, I probably should have started out the way I did, which was downloading a Couch to 5K app. And maybe that's the way into solo gaming for you. And I might have started with something like Friday or, or maybe a, a, a roll and write chucker that you could just play like Gans Jean Clever and, and feel like you're not necessarily, it's cooperative in some ways when you're playing by, your, by yourself, like playing Friday or playing Pandemic or something. Mm. But maybe the barrier to entry might have been the size of the game and maybe it's a, a buildup. That's a very good point. I may have overdone myself and bitten kind of, off a lot. Yes, stressed myself out. Even though it didn't seem <laughs> that complicated, and I was yeah, but yeah, not too happy. Garth, what are your thoughts on my abject failure? <laughs> oh, look, I'm really not surprised. I must admit. Okay, um, please do I, explain. I, oh, look, you you are such a social butterfly to have your wings clipped like this and to be stuck in your own home. Playing what I would love to play because I've not played Mage Knight. But yeah, I, mm -hmm. I tend to agree that trying to keep something going from a solo game perspective when you probably have never had any desire to do so on a game that isn't going to take you an hour, it might take you weeks, mm -hmm. is probably yeah. a little bit of a biting off more than you can chew. So maybe I would suggest, you know, trying to get to a game store and just starting your own uh, solo version of Pandemic Legacy and try and work through those instead. Oh, that's... No. <laughs> Why would you do that to me? That's horrible. Although, I do have Pandemic Cthulhu Edition, which I could probably quite happily play by myself. Maybe yeah. I will give it another Ooh. crack, but for the time being, I might just have to say that it's not for me. I would rather be around my people. That's I, that's my report on the end of it that I... I Understood. That I... Get, I at least put in the hours to try, but yeah, kind of faltered at the finish line. So that was my experience. Do you have any other games that you might recommend for Leon to kick off and start solo, Garth? Oh, look, I look at my collection and I go, instead of playing solo, learn how to use Bold Game Arena. Stop being <laughs> such a yeah. Luddite. That's what I say yeah. to Leon because... The great thing is about these things, you get an email every day saying, it's your turn. You go on, you take your turn, and then you go and continue life. So I've got about 15 or 20 games going from Red 7, Sushi Go, Six Nymphed, Can't Stop, Russian Railroads, Puerto Rico, K2, Takata, all of these games going on where you take one turn a day and you go on with the rest of your life. I'm loving it. Yeah, you're hitting all the good ones there. And I also think that... that, that um people might think that hiding behind a screen is not going to work for an extrovert. Well, in the group of people that we've got together, I'm probably in the middle as far as being extroverted or introverted. Our friend Verla is a little bit more introverted, but BJ is extrovert to his eyeballs. And if you could be playing live and talking with people, it's, this, it's very inviting and you, could, and you can have that same kind of an experience where you really are getting back and forth with people around the table, giving it back and forth to each other, talking, socializing, and then the game is kind of there as an enjoyable background. Still play it, still have fun, but maybe that's the way that you uh, you get that experience, even though, like you're saying, the wings are clipped. Exactly. Well, for the time being, I will see what I can do, but I think for the moment, I should probably go sleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's probably what I'm Fair. going to do. And I think Garth should probably go do his job and Stephen should probably, you know, 
have dinner and consider going to bed because that's what he's doing because it's nighttime where you are, which is such a weird thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Weird. So look, Steve, I just want to say on behalf of uh, Leon and myself, thanks so much for making the effort and dialing in from the other side of the planet. Uh, it's been really lovely to, to meet you. We've spoken virtually, but never met face to face. So um, that mm-hmm. is fantastic. And Leon, it's always good to see you, I, I guess. Yeah, um, but anyway, it's been episode <laughs> 304 of the yes. Dice Men Come Off. We do need to, of course, thank LFG. So make sure you go and buy all your games. Steve, they might even deliver internationally. Who knows? So lfg-aus.com.au. Again, Robin Hood and his merry men need to be finding a new home. So make sure you send us a photo via Twitter, Instagram, something or other, or Gmail. Uh, and you could have a chance. Now, Steve, you've got something that you need to say. Yeah, just because if I don't say it and BJ asks me, well, what did you plug? I'm like, <laughs> oh, I didn't plug anything. Um, if you're looking to find us, you can reach out to me and to BJ through Board Game Gumbo. Just look up Board Game Gumbo, G-U-M-B-O, on Facebook, on YouTube. All of the things that are live with people participating in chat get recorded and, and stay there as persistent links on Facebook. He also uploads short bits of them to YouTube for, for, uh, for content as well. And I got to thank you guys. It's been a blast, blast doing it. You guys kicked me off down, down that rabbit hole of online gaming a while back, Garth. Thank you for that. <laughs> pleasure. And it's been a pleasure to be on with you. Wonderful. Thanks. Well, thanks so much again, Steve. We're out. I've got to get, uh, I don't know, ready for the day and, and go and have breakfast and do my actual job. This is weird because I'm feeling like I should be going to a pub and having a beer after a show. Yeah, and I didn't even ask you guys emergency questions. That's how half asleep I am. That's just oh no, I was I was all prepared. I'll tell you what, you're still here, so screw it. I've got the book open. <laughs> what is the most impressive meal that you can cook from scratch? Me personally, yeah. it won't be very, very impressive at all. Um, it would probably be quesadillas. That's as good as I get. <laughs> I am, I am very lucky to have a better two-thirds who is far more skilled in, in the kitchen than I am. Um, well, that is too bad because the next time I make it back to New York, you're making me some quesadillas. So there you go. It's on. Uh, it's Garth, on. what about you? Bring, every, bring everybody along. I will. <laughs> uh, look, I just roast meat. So I made a just lovely roast, roast chicken. <laughs> roast chicken with lemon and thyme and garlic and beautiful butter and roast veggies and all the uh, extra bits and pieces yesterday. So that was as good as I get, but I'm pretty mean with desserts. I've got a really massive go. 18 egg yolk custard tart that is just delicious mm. and will certainly bring you closer to death because it's just so <laughs> bad for you. And finally, to bring this board game podcast to a close, uh, I myself, Leon, make a roast lamb with red wine, rosemary, and maple syrup that would knock your socks off. Too late. Oh, you disgust me. (laughs) Anyway. Did we need that? No, we did not. Did we need that? Thanks again, Stephen. Thanks again, I suppose, Garth, and everyone out there. Play games, talk to your friends, take care of each other, stay safe. We love you all, and we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their flagship events, LFG Sydney and LFG Essen Unplugged, as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter 
And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.